It's time for another episode of the Franchise Business Radio Show, broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel Studios in Atlanta, sponsored by Franchise Intellect, knowledge of the franchise community for franchise selection. More info at FranchiseIntellect.com. Also made possible in part by Franchise.City, a better way to buy a franchise. More info at Franchise.City. And FranServe, the world's largest franchise consulting and expansion organization. More info at FranServe.com. Now, here's your host, certified franchise consultant, Pamela Curry. Good afternoon. This is Pamela Curry, franchise consultant for aspiring entrepreneurs looking to invest and license a franchise, as well as the host of Franchise Business Radio Show, powered by Franchise City. The Franchise Business Radio Show was founded to be a platform to bring business professionals together to connect, educate, and collaborate to serve the franchise community and those considering franchise ownership. Today, we have a returning guest back in the studio, John Kutrachi, more easily referred to as John Q. Uh, hey, John, welcome back. Hey, thanks, Pam. So great good to have you back. Yeah, great to have you back. I always enjoy having you on the show. Uh, and naturally, I really like the idea of introducing our listeners to uh, an interesting acronym, BOB. And uh, what Bob stands for is is uh, business owner benefits. Uh, yeah, so meet Bob, business owner benefits, and that can create great upside when you are a business owner. Today, the topics I really want to discuss for our listeners are getting to know your business numbers and some financial jargon, getting familiar with your tax advantages and protection. However, before we dive into these topics, um, let me share a little bit with our listeners about your background, John. Uh, John Q is a CPA and the owner of Corporate Financial Options and offers a complete end-to-end outsourced service for bookkeeping, taxes, accounting, and financial management. His CFO level work eliminates these burdens from business owners, which is a big relief. Admittedly so, some business owners operate with a handicap because they have insufficient, incomplete, and inaccurate financial information. John Q has devised a system that provides information in a manner that corrects potential operating inefficiencies, poor cash flow management, with a focus on those corrections and receiving high return on investment for the business owner. Uh, you could definitely learn more about John's services at corporatefinancialoptions.com. John, let's go ahead and get started here. And I'm going to start with the obvious, uh, another acronym, ROI. What are we really talking about when we throw around the term ROI, return on investment? As a great man once said, you have to know your cliches. You got to know them. You got to understand them. You got to be able to uh, articulate them to people, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Bob uh, is a cliche and, and, and EBITDA and all of those are all <clears throat> cliches that we're, or that actually tie to something real and something that is, um, is part of the reason why why we choose to invest in a business, specifically a franchise operation. So ROI, I mean, what does that mean? I mean, people go, oh, they they call me, right? I'm a consultant. They say, right. say, Pam, I want to find a business that gives me the best ROI. Right. That is return on investment, obviously. So if you invest $100 in a business, 
and you can take $100 out a year, you've got 100% return on investment, right? So every $100 you put in produces an annual profit of $100. So if it's a million and you make 100000 then that's a 10% return on investment. So uh, as a business owner, are we just looking to get a return on investment or looking for something greater than that? Well, that goes back to the business owner benefits, right? Mm-hmm. So there are tangible benefits, there are intangible benefits, and a lot of other things, right? When you're a business owner, maybe you have a little bit more independence and the quality of your life is a little bit different, and a little changed. You can pick up your business and relocate it to another state if you have to or if you want to, and you have a certain degree of flexibility. What I like to think about is there are really three sides to a business transaction or business ownership, right? There's the actual income side, there's the tax side, and then there's the quality of life side. Mm. So yeah, you might be able to make more money if you're working in, you know, you relocate to Fairbanks, Alaska, and you sell refrigerators, right? Uh, You know, you might get a better return on invest. The quality of life might be lower. So if we can find a way to create an even balance between those three items, then I think we've got the right the right business for that particular business owner. That that's well said. Uh, well, let's talk about another common cliche that franchisors say, and very often you'll hear, "Well, you should be able to break even in five to six months, or start cash flowing in five to six months." What do you think they're trying to communicate there? Well, what they're trying to say is that your expenses will be exceeded by your revenue after a period of six months. That doesn't mean you've recaptured your entire initial investment, but what they're saying is after six months, your total expenses are 8000 a month and your gross income is 8500 a month. So you are pulling out potentially profit out of the business rather than rather than having to put more money in to have it sustain itself. Thank you. Uh, another common acronym, since we're on this acronym craze here, EBITDA. The, uh, that, of course, is earnings before obviously, right, to right. some people. <laughs> to a CPA, <laughs> Right, maybe. yeah, right. So that's earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. So basically what we're talking about is hard cash flow out of the business. So whereas if I was buying your business and you had a big loan against it, maybe your cash flow would be, my cash flow would be better than yours because I had the cash to put in the business and I don't have to repay the loan like you had to repay it. So this is an attempt to say, if we take out the the non-cash expenses and then the taxes you have to pay because everybody could conceivably be in different tax brackets, and I'm doing this backwards, aren't I? I went from DA to T to I to B. But anyway, <laughs> um, and then taxes, obviously, we want to make sure that. And then interest is depending upon how much of a loan I have to get to finance the business that I'm potentially buying from you. And that could be radically different than the investment that you might have put into a business. 
Wow. All this stuff always is like clear as mud. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hence why you need to uh, have have an expert by your side to really understand things. Well, yeah, no question about it. You know, I'm reaching this time of year where, and you talked about uh, incomplete information where people are coming to me and they did reach that period, six months or whatever, where they're actually positive in their income. So they're actually made money in 2022, and now we're sitting in March of 2023 and say, you didn't track your income for the year. You owe dollars $70,000 in tax because we didn't plan for it properly. We didn't manage it. We didn't know how much you were making on a month-to-month to pay some estimated taxes. or to. And, and then I like to say the only thing worse then having to pay a lot in taxes is have it be a surprise to you <laughs> and say, hey, good deal. You got to stroke a check to the IRS for $70,000 before tomorrow. And that's that's a situation we never want to get in. So that's why we use, again, another cliche, what is properly measured can be effectively managed mm-hmm. and, and, and things don't go out of control in that manner. Makes perfect sense. Uh, that actually does. <laughs> uh, another uh, important, you know, I, you know, obviously I'm coming at this from the perspective of a consultant, and uh, a lot of my clients and candidates that I work with have to think about how to put together that pro forma. Sometimes a franchisor will provide some guidelines on that, and sometimes they won't. Uh, they're you know, there are a lot of great resources on the Wild Wild Web. Uh, but just generally speaking, when we talk about a performa, can you kind of give a simple overview of how to build that? Well, let me start with a, like a franchise resale model, and then I'll go more general. Okay. So if I have a particular client that's interesting in acquiring another business, what we'll take is a couple of key numbers from the seller's profit loss statement, and then we'll build our own. Mm-hmm. That's right. We we don't care that the seller's mother-in-law is on the payroll. We don't care that, you know, he's doing these other expenses. And so we, we'll, we'll take his gross revenue, we'll take his cost of sales, and we'll take basically his um, payroll and his rent, and then we'll build around that. Mm-hmm. And people say, yeah, I need a budget. I need a budget. But really three kinds of budgets, right? There's the top-down budget, the bottom-up budget, and then the middle-out budget. (laughs) So a top-down budget is, I think I'm going to gross a million dollars this year. Okay. How much money do I get to keep? (laughs) Or the bottom-line budget is, you know, my spouse told me I couldn't buy this franchise unless I could take out $200,000 a year. What do I have to gross to make that bottom line goal? Mm-hmm. And then the middle out is you kind of know what your expenses are and then you kind of build what your gross needs to be and what your what your bottom line profit will be based on that. I like that. Uh, that that 
That sounds very clear to me. And, and one one thing that I frequently will tell someone, you know, when they re- get receive the franchise disclosure document, they have the item seven in there, uh, which is the estimated initial investment to get the business off the ground and up and running. And it's a table, and it gives them a list of all of the expenditures to expect on the low end and the high end. It's itemized by expenditure. Uh so that kind of helps with that cost side, right? I guess that would be more the middle out right. mm-hmm. uh, approach to it. and Right. And that's that's a lot to do with the initial investment and then the ongoing expense. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, an optimist will always look at the left column and think the minimum, minimum, minimum. And then I guess the pessimist will look at the maximum, 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 <laughs> right? And say, oh, they, this is what, what it's going to cost, right? Mm-hmm. And the... The issue we want to have is having people understand that depending upon how much your initial investment is, how much you want to invest initially shows you how you can build that infrastructure and whether or not, right, whether you're going to have a restaurant with 40 tables or a restaurant with 80 tables, mm-hmm. right? And is that is, is the minimum better? And that's where the question comes in. Yeah, and understanding whatever your if it's a product or service what is it retailing at to the end customer and you know how many customers do we need to get to to get to that top line right yeah okay. revenue per customer is 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 a, another tool that we can use and then you can backtrack and say well, we want to sell a million dollars. The actually average customer cost will pay us $5,000. So we need 200 customers or 2,000, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then one out of four prospects will sell. So we need to see this many prospects in a given year to get to that top line that we want, right? And we can put in any number at the top line and come up with this incredibly good looking profit. But, you know, is that top line number realistic? Realistic, yes. Keep it real. Mm-hmm. Another, you know, if you're a new franchisee and you are getting ready to sign that franchise agreement, would you have any recommendations on how that franchisee should structure their business? I guess I, where I'm getting to is, can you explain some of the differences between an LLC, an S-Corp, et cetera? Well, almost all businesses now are organized as LLCs, and that is the legal entity. Then once we form the legal entity, we have to go back and form or and elect what the taxable entity is going to be. So an LLC can be a sole proprietorship where one person goes on their individual return, shows their income and expenses there. Um, obviously, that has, that's a one-person owner. If it's two or more owners, you can't be a sole proprietor. So you can choose to be a partnership where it's a separate tax return. It's a separate entity where the profits are split um, proportionally between the two owners. And you get an information return telling you how much your profit you know, is in your share of your taxable income. The third is, yeah, what you talked about is an S-corporation. And that could be a one-man show or it can be multi-partner up to a hundred and some uh, partners in an S-Corp. I've never really seen them more than four or five. But mm-hmm. Now, an S-Corporation, the owner, let's assume it's just one and let's just assume it's somebody like you. 
mm-hmm. um, you would take a salary out of the business and you would be paid as an employee of the business. And you are also almost immediately like a second person because you are also the owner of the business. Yep. And you would pay taxes on the profit in the business. And I think it took about eight years for me to explain this to you. But, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, and then the, the profit on as the owner of the business is not subject to Social Security tax. And that is, it could be a very significant tax savings. The downside is that it's considered passive income, so you can't put in a retirement plan against your passive income, only your W-2 income. And um, underneath that structure, you can put together a retirement program, like you just mentioned. that's correct, yes. Uh, And that is not the case with the first two that you discussed. Well, we can we can do other retirement plan. We a sole proprietorship can do a, like a self-employed pension or something like that and we can do that as well. But because but you're going to be paying a social security tax on your entire schedule C profit mm-hmm. and your entire partnership profit under most circumstances. Mhm. So that's something we'll look at. Mm. So let's talk about what are some of the tax advantages of being a business owner. You mentioned the the three legs, right? Uh, income, I think you said it was tax advantages and lifestyle. Right. Talk about tax advantages. Well, you know, the way I like to do and describe the tax effect of a business is I like to lump expenses into three categories. The first might be the ordinary and necessary expenses that, that, that a business has, your rent, your utilities, the cost of your product or service, your employees. Those are pretty easy for people to understand and get and manage. Then we have what we call the, what I call the hybrid expenses. These are expenses that everybody in the world has, but because you're self-employed, you might be able to duck some, most, or all of them. That would be your car expenses, maybe your cell phone, your personal computers, um, maybe a home office deduction if you're a home-based business, right? Everybody has a place that they live. Well, because you're self-employed, you may be able to deduct a portion of those those expenses. <clears throat> so those are the two. And then the third category are, are expenses that we may take for simply the deductibility portion that also has a, uh, a, a business benefit. So if you're a family uh, and you have two children, maybe you go to a seminar or a convention in Orlando, and while you're sitting through those boring classes, your kids are at Disney. <laughs> the cost of driving down there might be deductible. Uh, the cost of the hotel, because you had to have a hotel room to stay at your convention or your seminar, right? So all those expenses might be deductible. And um, also, the number one, though, we talked about is the retirement plan, right? Mm-hmm. That's in a lot of respect for a solo entrepreneur. A retirement plan is taking money out of one pocket and putting it into another and taking a tax break for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly, you can't use that money. But there might be um, 
significant tax advantages to to setting that money aside. So, and it would one of the tax advantages of setting those that money aside for retirement purposes be to get you into a lower tax bracket? Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what you're doing is basically shifting income from this year and putting it into a future year where you we will be retired and hopefully in a lower tax bracket. Mm-hmm. So what I like to say is you're splitting your money with your future self. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a common question, that when you first become a franchisee, your very, very first expense is that one-time franchise fee that you pay upon the signing of the franchise agreement. Is that a tax write-off? For a new franchisee? Generally, yes, but it has to be spread out and expensed over the life of the franchise contract. So if you buy a 10-year franchise, you pay $50,000, you get to write off 5000 of that a year over the 10 years. Mm-hmm. You're checking my math on all this, right? <laughs> but it, so, so generally, yes, it can be written off. Now, I did have a situation where we were able to write off the entire franchise fee because the guy unfortunately had a zoning issue, and they weren't, they didn't. The county came or the city came and told him he couldn't have his business there, so he was he he lost his entire investment because he didn't plan properly. Mm-hmm. What about... So we, need, we need to make sure that the government allows your that particular type of business in the particular area in which you want to be. Absolutely. <laughs> and what about the individual that is really focused on scalability? So they choose to pay a franchise fee for what we call a three-pack or a five-pack. And... Um, Generally, what that means is you have to pay the the one time franchise fee for the single unit, the standard rate. Let's just say it's fifty thousand, and maybe the second unit and the third unit because they're doing a three pack, they might get that second unit and third unit at a for twenty five thousand. So they're having to write a check out of the gates for a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, would that be a little bit different in regards to how they would be able to write that off, or would they have to wait? For that second unit to open up and that third unit, right? You would have to generally wait till it opens up, and you know, obviously, if you if you're willing to pay fifty thousand dollars for something, coming back the next day and paying twenty five thousand for the exact same thing sounds like a heck of a deal, right? Mm-hmm. So, if the day after you bought your car that you paid fifty thousand dollars for last year, if they called you up and say, "Hey, you want a second one for twenty five, right?" You right. jumped all over that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's that's the value. And a lot of it comes back, again, on the personality side, right? When you are a one-unit operator, you can basically stand in the corner of your business and see all your employees, see your entire investment right laid out in front of you. When you have two or three or five or 20, all of a sudden things are happening that you can't see you can't react to you you do not have firsthand knowledge of of what's happening so it takes a different kind of personality it takes a different kind of mindset mm-hmm. and the i like to call those mindsets sort of empire builders uh the, you know they have a vision of scaling and growing a business beyond uh maybe that one location or that one unit 
Is there a way for, let's call them the empire builder, is there a way for that individual to leverage their first franchise unit into a second or third financially? Oh, absolutely. Talk to us about that. Yeah, sure. I mean, the opposite is the hardest, the hardest one to get financed is the first one, Mm -hmm. right? So if you have a proven track record and you can proven that you have can be and are successful, then surely that the 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 person that helped you with the first one is going to help you with the next one, right? Right. And what kind of creative options we have for the first one is kind of another story, but certainly coming up with a development matrix and being able to say, all right, this store, the first store is going to be able to manage the cash flow or the second location and the third, and and trying to say, all right, I can financially manage the overhead of two locations once store or location number one gets to a significant critical mass, and then we can build that. And then we start looking at things like leverage where we're using more of somebody else's money to open the second and third location. Nice. Um, What other additional thoughts, advice would you give to our listeners who are considering franchise business ownership? Um, The first thing that I like to talk about is an addiction to the direct deposit. So if you are working for a Fortune 500 company and you open your laptop on the 14th at midnight to watch your paycheck bing into your into your personal bank account, you are probably not a good candidate for for self-employment or franchise ownership. Mm. If you are the type of person I hate to start out with a negative, but that's what I'll do. <laughs> if, if, if you are the type of person that wants to do everything your own way and wants to have control and and wants to create your own process uh, systems, you're probably not a good candidate for franchise, right? That's right, because you're not you know, wanting to follow a system. Yeah, right. You know, I want to I, I want to buy this burger franchise, but I want to sell hot dogs instead, right? Right. I mean, and <laughs> there are a lot of people out there like that, and they mm-hmm. you know, I want to, but but you know, <clears throat> and I had a wise franchisor tell me once, and he said he the first thing he tells his new franchisees is, "We want your input, we want your information, we want your suggestions." But keep your mouth shut for six months. Right. <laughs> Figure out what we're doing and why we're doing it before you tell us we're idiots. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great advice. Uh, you know, it's very few of us are what I call a purist uh, from an entrepreneurial standpoint. We need we need the pure entrepreneur because they usually are the founders of the ideas, the the figuring out that business recipe book. Uh, and once you get that established, the trials and tribulations worked out, and then you want to grow, you become a franchise, right? Right. Uh, that's the franchisor. Uh, mm-hmm. But as a franchisee, what you're doing is you're being able to come in and piggyback uh, all that that proven track record, uh, receive the business recipe book, the training, right. support, be part of a system, which is why franchising is classified as a risk mitigation strategy uh, to business ownership. Right. It, 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 if you do it properly and if you are the type of person that can follow a process, that can read the directions, 
If you buy something from IKEA and try to put it together without reading the instructions, you're probably not a good candidate to be a franchisee. (laughs) (laughs) Well, John, I, I, I love all your analogies and just great insight and intel. Very much appreciated. Uh, and I'm sure my listeners appreciate it as well. Uh, before we sign off, any other any other piece of advice to share? You know, I have one one particular restaurant owner that that says something interesting. You know, and he says all the time people come in and say, "You know what you should add to your menu? You know what you should add to your menu?" And his response always is. Wow, that sounds terrific. When you get up the half a million dollars to invest in a restaurant and you open it up and you go through training and you build your menu and you put that on your menu, I'm going to be the first guy in line to buy it. <laughs> but you're not getting it here. <laughs> and, and and that's sort of like you said it's 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 a, it's a parallel to franchising, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you want to if you want to follow our process, do that, right? If you want a hamburger, don't come into my pizza place, you know, and and the same thing and the things to think about. And it really can be can be quite, quite simple if that's what you want to do and how you want to do it and how you want to move forward. Excellent. Well, thank you. I want to say thank you to our guest, John Q. Again, if you want to learn more about uh, him and his services, please go to www.corporatefinancialoptions.com. Also want to say thank you to our listeners for tuning into the Franchise Business Radio Show, powered by Franchise City. Again, this is Pamela Curry, the host of Franchise Business Radio and certified franchise consultant. And please, please remember this. If you or someone you know is considering franchise business ownership, don't feel like you have to navigate those waters by by yourself. There is a lot to learn. This is just one piece of the puzzle. Myself, along with my business partners, we specialize in helping individuals on selecting a franchise, being further effective in their due diligence, and avoiding costly mistakes. Thanks for tuning in. Again, Franchise Business Radio, a platform for bringing together business professionals to connect, educate, and collaborate to serve those considering franchise ownership. Thank you. Thank you again for joining Pamela Curry and her guests for the Franchise Business Radio Show, sponsored by Franchise Intellect, knowledge of the franchise community for franchise selection. More info at FranchiseIntellect.com. Also made possible in part by Franchise.City, a better way to buy a franchise. More info at Franchise.City. And FranServe, the world's largest franchise consulting and expansion organization. More info at FranServe.com. Use the social media links here to share today's show and check out more episodes at FranchiseBusinessRadio.com.